I'm glad for each of you that are here. Like Louie said, it is a little bit empty on the women's side, but when we wake up every morning, we don't know what the Lord has, and we trust Him, and we can be thankful for what He does bring, even though it might not always be easy. And I also feel like it's been some time since I preached. I think it was almost a month ago, and just the way the schedule held out. And so it is um, good to to um, be here in this way for um, a count of privilege to to present the word to you this morning as the responsibility that I've been given and. The message will be from Revelation as we continue to study. Look at the chapters. We have uh, Revelation chapter 10 and 11 is what I'd look at, what I want to look at this morning. I um, failed to say about any visitors that are here, but thank you um, and welcome to all that are here. I don't know if you have been keeping all these chapters in Revelation in your mind or not, I can't myself, and I tend to lose track where we are. It's a a book with a lot of things in. But chapter 10 is not very long, and so I included chapter 11, and it's a little bit longer, and I don't have so much as um, interpretations and meaning as just looking at the verses and giving you a basic introduction to what they are and a few things what maybe we can learn and and take from these and so we are going to look at chapter 10 I'd like to read it and just go down through the verses um, in Revelation chapter 10 reads like this and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that, are, that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel, And said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it, and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. 
And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. That is chapter 10. Let's back up to the, uh, verse 1. I don't have much on each verse, but I just like to look at them. We have, it says, another mighty angel. And I think that's stated in different times. It talks about another angel. And so there is angels we can't really keep track of, different ones. However, this angel, it describes again, and it says, clothed with a cloud, a rainbow upon his head, and his face as the sun and feet as pillars. And that is earlier in Revelation, that description, it, it, it is of Jesus Christ. And here it doesn't say, and the, just for the uh, way it is, the commentators don't even agree. They, they don't know if this is Jesus or if it's just an angel. And it really doesn't matter, but it gives a description here in the verse of things like Jesus. And I, I pull out just a few of them. As we think of the Old Testament and how the whole book, the Bible all you know, works together, you have clothed with a cloud, and as we think of the uh, children of Israel going in the wilderness, they, they followed a cloud. The rainbow was given to uh, Noah you know, as a covenant, and it says, face as it were the sun, we know that as the, you know, the brightness, the light of God. But then it says his feet as pillars of fire. And that also I remember of in the children of Israel talked about pillar of fire at night. And so these, I think, are just some of those things that God is showing John that maybe God just used in previous that they didn't really know where they came from or how it, how it may have been. The verse 2, it says, he had in his hand a little book open. Now, the other book that we had was sealed up, it was, and no man could open it. It was, it was, a, a, it was a problem in, in, the, in the heavenly realms there that who can open this book? Who's worthy to open this book? And I don't understand what the, uh, the book being closed, uh, I mean, we know what that one is, but this book being open, if it's just a continuation of what Jesus has done, however, this angel has a book, and it is, it's a little book, but it's, it's open. Take it for what you, I think there's various things that it could represent. But this angel also, he put his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. Now, I'm not sure how big of an angel you'd have to be to picture that, but if you had, were able to see into the heavens and you saw a man, and, and we only know it by how the earth is, but if one foot could be in, you know, Europe and the other, uh, yeah, does he use foot? Yeah, a foot in the sea and a foot in the land. Like That's a large being to be able to dominate the earth in that way. And just to say, I can stand here, I can stand here, and I have a book. And, and he, Lamar brought it out, and I thought it was in here, and cried with a loud voice. It's the same way I think Jesus did. He said something, and here it says with a loud voice, getting into verse 3, as when a lion roareth. And where we live on our farm, Lewis always told me, he said, you listen, the right day, you'll hear the lions roar over at uh, T&D Cats. And sure enough, one day I was listening. He's like, you hear that? He said, that's the lions. And that's, I don't know, two, three miles away. And so um, a few, few years later, I went west of my property. It goes over the hill there into the field in back. And we go hunting back there. And for years I would sit there and I'd hear this 
ooh, ooh, this, this moaning and groaning sound. And I, it took me a couple of years till I realized it, it was so much louder than what I had heard before. And yeah, at four o'clock, that's when they feed the lions and these lions are, are roaring. And it's a long ways off. And they cried with a, it just says here, as a, when a lion roareth. And it's, uh, keep him going. And when he had cried, that, that as a lion roareth, seven thunders uttered their voices. I wouldn't have recalled this part being in Revelation with these seven thunders. There's lots of sevens. It just gives a little description of them here. It says, And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, uh, John was ready to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, uh, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. So John heard what those thunders said, what they, they uttered with their voices, as we can't really imagine how thunder could, uh, you know, how we could hear what thunder sang, but... That's just the way it's given. And John was told no. That, that, was, that was too much to, for the people to know to be recorded in, in the Revelation. He's, and he took that and he was uh, not to write that down. And I, I just assumed that everything given was, you know, he was recording it. But here specifically, there, there's more there that was held back. It was not allowed to be uh, put in, in our uh, in the Bible that we have today, that was um, not for us, and that's all it says in, in the verse four there about uh, you know seal them up, don't and and write them not. And then verse five, the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and the earth, he lifted up his hand to heaven, and the one resource that is that is how you swear. And I'm not legal enough to know, but you watch the president inauguration. I think there's some hand motions raising. Maybe some of you know, but that's when they take an oath or they swear to do something. I don't know if court what they do, but this goes way back before that. And and somehow there was a hand. It says lifted up his hand to heaven. That's in verse five. And then verse six says and swear. So there was a some kind of acknowledging the truth or um, giving it in a way of, of seriousness, uh, it's, it's, it's given there. I don't know how or what that relates to in other uh, parts of Scripture, but that's what it's given here. It says in 6, and swear by him, but, but think of how he's swearing. He's swearing by, and it gives this list of, and I think I had read it right, Liveth forever and ever, we know who that is, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein. He's not letting anything out. He's saying this angel swears by this person, Jesus Christ, God, that liveth forever and ever, who did all these things. And the end of verse 6 says what he was saying. The angel said that there should be time no longer. And this is, as you saw in the bulletin, it is December 31st. And I did not plan that this chapter would come today, the end of the 2023. But this is definitely talking about time. 
And what is time? And we hear messages and preaching on time. But note just real quick there, punctuation mark, at the end of verse 6, that there should be time no longer. That is a colon. That is not the end of the verse. It continues on. Verse 7 starts with, but in the days. So there's a continuation with this. And verse 7, we keep going, says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound. There we have the trump, what we know of, the last trumpet sounding. And we'll get into that, what that is in chapter 11 today yet too. The interpretation of the word time, I don't know if your Bible has it or not, but the NIV also gives it as, instead of using time, it uses the word delay. And delay definitely refers to time, but that, that gave a little bit different of a picture of it. If you think about God just waiting, there, there's this, he's just wait, and we don't know how long he's waiting until he just says, okay, we're done. The, the trumpet's going to sound and judgment's going to happen. And this angel here is swearing that there is no more delay. Uh, and there again, that's open because my one, what I thought was a trusted resource says that does not refer to delay. That is time. And I had this battle going on depending on which book I pulled. And that happens quite a bit with Revelation. You, we just don't know. But however, the continuation in 7 says that when about in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, which that's when I think time will end. It didn't happen right here, I don't think. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. That is a mouthful. There is a lot in that. The mystery of God should be finished. We know of many mysteries in the Bible. I mean, I don't, I can't pull them all out of my head. I know there's a mystery of marriage. Um, there's a number of other ones. I think it specifically gives the word mystery with. But here it's the mystery of God that it should be finished. And it also says, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And so you, you kind of put all this in what we can comprehend together of God and how he just down through time what we have in Scripture with the prophets and what they dealt with in dealing with sin and with wickedness, the, the children of Israel turning their back on God and the, the prophets uh, doing their work. And God says that when this happens, the seventh trumpet sounds, the mystery of God is going to be finished. And as we keep on going, that's going to be revealed to the people. Let's go to verse 8. It says, And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel that stands upon the sea and upon the earth. I don't have more to say really than what this is just giving here. John was told to go up to this angel, and continuing in verse 9, it says, and I went up to this angel, and I, he said to the angel, he said, give me this book. Give me this little book. And the book could also be a scroll. Like, either way, it's, it's what, you know, something that words were recorded on. 
And uh, continuing there in 9, And he said unto me, Take it up. The angel told him, he said, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. I, I, um, and you all probably ask questions like, how can, you know, is something figurative or is it, um, you know, literal? Like, how, how do you interpret these? And I think this is a case where it was both. I think John literally went up and took the book and he ate it. But the meaning behind it was so much more. And as you see in 10, um, how it happened, just like the angel said, you eat this, it's going to taste sweet, but it's going to make your stomach bitter, your belly bitter. And that's what happened in verse 10. And then in verse 11, and he said unto me, thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. The angel said, thou must prophesy again. That caught my attention in, there was going to be more work for John after. He, he, I mean, he was receiving a revelation you know, of who Jesus is, but the angel said, you're going to have to keep going. You're going to have to go and prophesy again before, uh, and it reads here, many peoples and nations, tongues and kings. And I'm not sure what all that, involved I tried to look up quick and I didn't study much but like what happened in the rest of John's life I'm I'm not exactly sure I I want to say that he was the only one that died a natural death if I have the right one okay I see some shaking their heads yes so he had some time later on and I'm not sure there was uh, just a guess or maybe assumption that he may have went to these seven churches that they talked about earlier on. He may have felt the call to go to those churches and, and, and to continue his, his uh, message of truth and of, of telling them, you know, you, um, you have these things. And, and we looked at the churches and some of the, uh, the goods and the bads that were taking place in the churches um, I don't know what all, but it does say that John was given that the angel had said, and he said unto me, thou must prophesy again. And so that kind of summarizes up chapter 10. Um, and then going into chapter 11, I think I'm just going to read uh, the whole chapter of 11. If you care to follow along. Revelation chapter 11, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, 
and to smite the earth with all the plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimonies, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindred, kindreds, and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entereth, entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour there was, was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand. And the remnant were affrighted, frighted, and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord, and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell down, fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. It's just a blessing to just read these verses. We don't understand them, but just the, the, the it's almost like the Spirit can kind of give you an idea of what's taking place. The things we need to know, we can get, and I, there again, I don't have much. I'm just going to go down through the verses, maybe pulling a few things out. In verse 1, the uh, I don't know if it's a command. It just says, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God. It does say, And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Uh, it, it makes me want to go back to the Old Testament and really understand the temple. Because, and studying in the wording of this, so... What, what is the temple? And 
you get different Greek words out of it. And the one book that I was given uh, really brought that out. It, it studied it quite a bit. You have, you have the temple, like the whole thing, but you have that holy of holies. And every time that the word temple is used in Revelation, it refers to that inner holy of holies. And I think that's significant because it talks here in verse 2 about the court, you know, outside the temple. And I think it was Phil Schrey talking about how the Gentiles were only allowed to go so far. They, they couldn't go all the way in. And I think I'm missing a lot of what these verses are saying with rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Uh, it just, I don't have an understanding of the temple. In verse 2 it says, but the court which is without the te- but the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the gentiles uh, just real quick yet the reed like unto a rod um, the rod was basically a staff and so it wasn't this um, uh, we all know what a staff is and a reed was um, like they would go down to the uh, where they they grew in the brook or the streams, and they, and they could be uh, at least from a reed side of it, they could be fifteen or almost twenty foot long. It was it was something of they said it would have a hollow stem and be fifteen to twenty feet long. But it's combined because it uses the word like unto a rod, so it's imagery here. But if you think of a great staff. Going and measuring a temple, there, there again, I, I, I feel like I'm missing some of the uh, significance there when he's told to measure the temple of God. And I don't know, it doesn't really say the results or what took place after they measured it. It simply switches in the end of verse 2 and it says, And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And then it goes right into verse 3 about these uh, two witnesses. And so I um, probably leaving more questions than answers, but that's just the way it is. I, I, uh, I don't know. But the two witnesses, we, if we get into uh, verse 3 there, um, they could represent different things. And some people would think, uh, it's going to be, um, you know, old prophets of Moses or Elijah actually coming to the earth, you know, and prophesying. Uh, that could easily be. Others would say it is, um, it is the church and it is God's word that are here today that are witnesses uh, in in God's uh, kingdom. And I don't know. It could be either or both. Um, verse four continues on into. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And there again, that goes back to the tabernacle and, and the, uh, the lampstands um, there and all the significance of an olive tree. I, there's lots of parallels there too. But these two witnesses, uh, it gives some description of them and what they can do. And in verse 5, it says, If any man will hurt them, Fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And it could be in a physical sense that that's what takes place. But I also think today we have, 
it's not fire that comes out of our mouth, but the word of God that is sharp and powerful can destroy the enemies of the world today through our uh, testimony and our witness to the world around us of the word of God. And uh, it's it's a little hard to know, you know, that if any man's going to hurt them, fire goes out of their mouth and destroys their enemies. You know, how and what all that may be, a um, couple ways of looking at it, I'm sure. But in verse 6, it gives um, the power that these witnesses have. They have power to shut the heaven that it's not going to rain. They have power to turn the waters into blood. And they have power to smite the earth with plagues as often as they want. And a lot of that does go back to the Old Testament of what Elijah did, um, some of the miracles in, in Egypt when the, when the Israelites left, um, through the, the ten plagues. Um, we just know that, those, that these things have happened uh, in the past, and, and they're given, again, uh, the power to do that. <coughs> However, <coughs> Verse 7 kind of turns it around. It says, and when they have finished their testimonies, we have this beast coming out of the bottomless pit, making war against them, and is actually able to kill them. Now, how can the word of God be killed? I don't know. How can the church be killed? It doesn't quite make sense. But nonetheless, it makes more sense that two people would die, as we see it here, that they... um, that this uh, beast out of the pit kills them. And it says, And their dead bodies lie in the street of the great city. I didn't even get into the great city. If that's Jerusalem, it says about where also our Lord was crucified. Um, it uses a phrase in there which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Um, Sodom and Egypt are both referred to in scriptures as uh, evil places, as sinful, as a place of where we as Christians, we, we left that. We're, we're in another place. And that word spiritually is interesting there. I didn't, I didn't study a whole lot when we think of, you know, in a physical sense, in a spiritual sense. And here it just it, it uses that. It says, which spiritually is called a Sodom and an Egypt. It's, it's making parallel to that. And it says that they, um, in this city, it's these dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city. And they, verse 9, And they of the people and kindred and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. And here you get into numbers, and we had some before. And the only thing I know is that, uh, I'm quite sure if I have it in my notes here, but the... Uh, the times are all the same when you think of <clears throat> not three and a half days. Must have uh, went over it here. They, um, yeah, the holy city shall they tread forty-two months. Uh, that was back in one of the other verses. The forty-two months is the same as three and a half years. Now I realize this is three and a half days, but forty-two months, three and a half years. And 1,260 days, that, those are all equal. Like, you take the Jewish calendar of 360 days a year, that, that holds out that they're all the same. I don't know why there's different ways of looking at it, but this, instead of three and a half years, is three and a half days. I failed to bring those numbers out. Um, 
But anyway, they're dead for three and a half days, and they don't put them in a grave. The whole world, all of these people, they, they see this. Now verse 10, uh, And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry. And I don't know how many of you realize that phrase is in here. And shall send gifts one to another. We just went through Christmas. And I can't understand uh, their reason for giving gifts except the celebration. And we do that. I'm not going to say one way or the other on gift giving. But that's what they did. They, it, it says make merry. And they gave gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. They thought they did away with these prophets that tormented them. However, keep going here in 11. After three and a half days, basically, yeah, three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. And just that, us as Christians, as we think of the spirit of life from God, Entering in, as we're born again, we take that living water. And they stood upon their feet. They were made alive. And it says, and great fear fell upon all them that saw them. I don't know if I'll be alive or how that will happen in the end times, but imagine looking on, and I'm getting a little carried away, but looking on your smartphone and seeing the news that like these two dead people died and they left them on the streets and they were celebrating and these two dead people got a lot. They, they came back to life and the stir, the commotion that that would make. And it says that in verse 12, and they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. And you know, all the, I should say, YouTubes and videos that are out there, you'd probably see the video if these, if this is, you know, what takes place here on earth in today's setting. <clears throat> you know, as far as the timeline of things, I don't know, but there they go. These men ascended up into heaven. That would bring, and how's it say in this verse about, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. That's when they came to life. But then when the voice said, uh, come up hither, and they ascended up into heaven, it says their enemies beheld them. Keeping on going here, it says about an earthquake of the city that that happened in, I'm assuming. But getting to the last part, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. Somehow they recognized that there is a... Uh, a greater power than what they had. And it says, and gave glory to the God of heaven. And now 14 says, the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And I don't know if I have to apologize, but I'm sorry if you have more questions about this, but I don't, I don't have answers in this first part of this chapter up through 14. We are witnesses. We don't have to fear. And... We know that the trumpet's going to sound, which is what happens in verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. I think that's part of the uh, song that we hear, um, Messiah, I think. Um, but think of that. This trumpet sounds, and we're going to put these two kingdoms together. The kingdom of the world are become 
kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. That mystery we were talking about, that, I think that all goes together. How, how these kingdoms are going to blend together. I can't understand it, but it's the power that God, omnipotent, He reigns and He says He's going to reign he, forever and ever. And I don't have a whole lot of comments down through this chapter or the rest of this chapter because 16 uh, goes back to the, the throne scene in heaven, like back in chapter 4, I think. It says, And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. You wonder what the end of time is going to be like, what the end of the world is going to be like? This is part of it. I don't think the end of the world is going to happen like within three snaps of the fingers and it's all, wouldn't say hunky-dory and it's done. There's going to be more what I see of a, a drawn-out process as the world comes to an end. And there's going to be things that are, refu- like you can't argue with them because God is just saying, I am in control. I will do what I want. And when he says, I guess Gabriel's going to blow the trumpet. Maybe, I I better back up. Whenever Whenever the trumpet sounds, that is God saying, now, blow the trumpet. We're going to do the, the, the mystery. It's like, I can't wait to reveal this to my people of who I am and us reigning and being together. And in, uh, 18, it just pretty much self-explanatory down through into 19 of, um, you know, just what they're, these, uh, the four and 20 elders were saying these things. And there is a phrase, just pull it out of 18. It says about um, in the middle and that, and they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets. I did a power Bible search on that phrase, and it's used, that exact phrase is used only a few times. At least two times I saw it in the Old Testament about thy, get it right, I can see it here. I used the word, thy servants, the prophets. And it says they get rewarded, that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets. And if we were needing more to do, I think it would be, and for myself, I see it as a motivator to, to study the prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, Steve, even the other Sunday, of talking about the wine in Sunday school class, I think. And it's, it's like we're just getting the top of the iceberg with some of this. Um, you know, the, the, all this work that the prophets did that we read but maybe we don't comprehend he he's saying here is that we're going to reward them thy servants the prophets and it also says in them that fear thy name um you know he's put a lot of people together but i just wanted to pull out about thy servants the prophets and and then uh continuing on here to um 19 is a another verse of Words kind of fail what it's trying to say. The temple of God was opened in heaven. You would welcome to come to me and 
tell me after church what you think that would be like. The temple, we just know the Ark of the Covenant was sealed up. You were not allowed to look in there. Men died because they looked in the Ark. And it says here, remember the word temple? That's talking about the inner holy of holies place. It says, and the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the Ark of his Testament. And Testament simply means covenant, the Ark of his covenant. And then it just says there were lightnings, voices, thunderings, earthquake, great hail. Just the add-ons to what God does when he makes his revelation known. I, I was unaware of verse 19. That, that one just... Either you read it and don't really pay attention to what's in it. But the temple of God was opened in heaven. One day, you know, we'll, we'll get to see that. We'll get to be there and see. Uh, and I might have it in my notes, or maybe I'm, yeah, kind of getting ahead of it, but I won't have to then later. The presence of God. When, when they talked about those two cherubim, uh, their angels touching each other, the mercy seat, and God says, there will I dwell. There's my presence. And nobody's allowed really to see that. And then to be able to go and say to heaven and this is where God dwells. This God that's everywhere, uh, you know, and then to actually come and say, you know, Lord, where's your home? I'm putting my words. Where's your home at? Where do, where do you actually stay? And he goes, I'll show you. It's right here. This is where I am. And I can now make it known to everybody. I... The mysteries of, of the heavens and the realms later, it, it, your mind can be, uh, I think God lets us just use our imagination at times into what, what God would have. Uh, just a couple things that I learned from this in reading, you know, you may have different things come to your mind too, but um, I'm going to back up to chapter 10 just a little bit. And I did think of, I, I did mention about it that, that there should be time no longer. I just wanted to challenge you with a couple things in time as it comes to an end that this God holding off, if you want to say there's no more delay, and he says, this is it, we are finished. Time will be no more. We stand at the beginning of a new year, and we assume we'll have time. But we don't know that when death occurs. And I want to challenge you to make use of your time. And along with that, if you have any regrets from previous, maybe we don't have regrets. I know I do. That we would be challenged in going forward to take any of those regrets. And we say, we made a mistake. We could do better. We could change. That as God allows us to have time in 2024, that we would change. That we would use that time to become what God wants us to. It was just a challenge to me of, you know, we say we regret this or regret that. Take it serious. If you really regret it, use the time that God gives us to change and to uh, to grow and learn in Him. And part of that could be, uh, the other thing in chapter 10 here is, 
you know, how would you interpret this eating the book? A couple of things went through my mind, and one of them is with this, uh, you know, I can't help but tell you. Um, you eat it, it tastes sweet, and it goes down your stomach. Now, I think a lot of the sickness going around is maybe more fever and cough, runny nose, but we all know what it's like to get sick on the stomach. And I know about, I'm, I'm guessing, but all of you have had times when your stomach was completely emptied, and it... Continued to try to empty itself and couldn't maybe even. It just is whatever was in there had to come out. Now, I don't always know what the personal uh, representation of the body, how that is in a spiritual way. But if you and I as Christians eat the word of God and we consume it and it goes in our body, at least for John here, you know, and if we take it for ourselves, that, his stomach and belly, if I understand belly, I looked at it back a while, that's simply your intestines, that's your insides, it's, for those of you who are deer hunting, it's your guts, it's just what it is, that's your belly, it's your inside. It's like the inner part of man, like what's in there, and if I think of it as when you're sick and you got to throw up, it comes out. And he said, thou must prophesy. You're going to have to take these, the things that you ate. I, I just think Angel was telling John, you've got to prophesy. You're going to have to get those things out to the other people. And so how are we doing with letting the, taking the book and consuming it and letting it just go through us completely? Um, the Christian life is sweet as honey. It tastes, it is, it is just good. But we know the Christian life brings trials and hardships. There's going to be things that come along. And what's inside of us, I think, does come out. Whether it's the fruit of the Spirit or whether it's the works, works of the flesh, um, they're going to come out. And the other one that I did allude to already is, is the temple you know, about us being, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And when it, and I can't, and some of you could study it, maybe it makes sense for you, but there, there apparently is a correlation between verse 19, when it talks about the temple of God was open, to verse 1. Because he's, he's told to measure the temple, and I, I'm saying this as, uh, I don't know, but... In verse 1, he's told, rise up and measure the temple of God. But in 19, he says about it's going to be open. I, I don't understand the relation there between it. But we are the temple. And are you part of the temple? And the challenge for me was is if we are the temple and an angel was told to go measure the temple and I come up to you with a tape measure and I measure you, you want to measure up good. And that's kind of pulling as a... A side note, you know, I don't know if I'm getting out of line on that or not, but a, uh, it's kind of like one of those uh, object lesson type things. I don't know. Rise and measure the temple of God. And how do we, how do we measure up? If we were going to be measured as a temple, how would you um, measure up if, if you were to be measured? Um, it's a challenge for me. It says in, in verse 1 there about 
measuring the temple, the altar, and them that worship therein. I, I guess that's the people. He was measuring the people. I don't know if it's the amount of people or what, but that um, is, is just a challenge to me of do I measure up to what, what God would want me to be as his temple, you know, of the Holy Ghost. And I think my last point I had went over about um, to see the Ark of the Testament, to see the Ark of the Covenant there in 19. I, I look forward to that day. I, I just, the whole mystery of God being made known to us. May God receive honor and glory for all that he will do. If you have more questions, you can study yourself or ask people. I... 10, 11, and just continuing on, 12 through 18, 19, the next little while here, I'm not quite sure how much to study and what to try to do, but I just appreciate being, like Revelation said, to read. Blessed is he that readeth the word, and I will continue to do that. I don't know how many chapters I'll continue to do at a time, but um, thank you for your attention for being here again. I think we'll just stand for the benediction at this time.